0: It's Podcast 57, and you are looking fine. VegCast! And by the way, happy 2009!
1: VegCast! A full menu from first to last!
0: VegCast! Yes, it's another year and another full menu of VegCast, the Veggie Podcast. We are coming at you here on the second day of January 2009, looking ahead and looking back with Heidi Prescott of the Humane Society of the United States. You may remember her name from her successful campaign to get pigeon shoots banned in the town of Hegins, PA. Uh, she's now at the Humane Society overseeing a variety of campaigns. She's going to tell us how that campaign worked and the lessons we can draw for the future. So we will be touching on what's coming up in 2009, and we will also be listening to a new Green Being song that uh, we reserved for this occasion, The Green Generation, kind of looking uh, across the entire scope of this generation at this illustrious moment of the year and uh, of course we will also have as always a science fact this one on a rather shocking uh fact about elephant lifespans that has come to light so we'll be delving into that all that's coming up right here so please uh crank up your ipod or other mp3 player sit back and relax, as we deliver to you this 57th edition of VegCat. Okay, and to start off, a shout-out to the Humane League of Philadelphia and Nick Cooney, who you may remember from a podcast a year ago, almost a year ago, when we had talked to Nick about VegPA.net. And his organization, Hugs for Puppies, and how they had uh, put this comprehensive site together with the help of Mercy for Animals. And in the interim, Hugs for Puppies, which was always a kind of a cheeky name for this group, has now evolved into the Humane League of Philadelphia. And they had a banquet uh, back in mid-December, which I was invited to uh, very graciously by the organization, and unfortunately, I came down with a a pretty bad cold that uh, stopped me from being able to stay for the entire event. Uh, I'm better now. And uh, I was for a while not even in good voice to do podcasting, as you might have noticed in the second half of December. But we're, we're back on target now. And uh, one of the things that I was not able to stay for was a talk podcast by keynote speaker Heidi Prescott. And so to make up for that, I invited her to come on VegCast, and we are going to listen to that conversation right now. Okay, joining us right now on VegCast is Heidi Prescott, the Senior Vice President of Campaigns for Humane Society of the United States. Heidi, welcome to VegCast.
2: Thank you for having me on, fans.
0: Thank you for being here. Um, I we talked at uh, the Humane League dinner, which you spoke at and which I had to leave because I had a cold and I, I apologize for that. But I wanted to take this opportunity to get uh, some of the insights that you might have presented there as well as talk to you uh, more specifically about uh, the the phenomenon that I think a lot of people would associate your name with, which is the Higgins uh, pigeon shoot and how you succeeded in uh, basically getting that shut down. So if we could start uh, with Higgins, um, for people who, I mean, obviously this is bigger for those of us in Pennsylvania, but I think a lot of people have heard of this. Could you give us just some of the background of what this was, how long it was going on, and what, uh, what the challenges were?
2: Well, the Higgins Pigeon Shoot went on for 62 years before it was finally shut down, in uh, 1999, and the, um, this was an interesting phenomenon. A lot of uh, it was a national campaign, even though it took place in Pennsylvania. And for your listeners who don't know what a live pigeon shoot is, um, I'll just describe for a minute that it's it's very much like a clay uh, pigeon shoot, except for live animals are used. And in one day, up to 5,000 animals can be used. And the birds are put in little boxes, and uh, someone yells, pull, and the bird is launched out, and a shooter shoots them from 30 yards away. And they score by the birds who are hit and fall to the ground. And a number of birds fly outside of these shooting circles and fly into the surrounding trees and die over a period of hours or even days. And the ones who fall inside the shooting circle are perhaps the ones who um, are the most compelling to the general public because children or young people known as trapper boys go out and pick up these animals. And in the old days, they used to just rip their heads off. Now they snip their heads off with gardening shears.
0: Ah, that's progress. (laughs)
2: well it was actually due to a judge's order that now they don't use young children anymore although we still see them at some of the pigeon shoots not covered by the judge's orders Um, and they they apparently assume that that's a proper method of decapitation to snip their heads off and it's it's a horrible event i've i've attended probably more than 50 in my lifetime and it's senseless you know there there's no reason other than a competition these these people compete for belt buckles or or monetary prizes
0: and so heggens was like the uh, the standard bearer the poster child for the whole phenomenon and uh, you succeeded in getting that shut down and we'll we'll talk about that process but there are still live pigeon shoots going on in Pennsylvania now is that not right
2: yes and and Higgins was probably the lightning rod for the whole campaign because it was a public event. So media could get in there. We could get in there. There were large scale protests, a lot of a public attention brought to that one. But once that was shut down, um we made a decision to kind of ratchet down the um the political hot potato nature of this it was so um it, it was so controversial at that point that the legislators didn't want to touch the issue and there was still some smaller uh, shoots taking place in mostly berk's county pennsylvania and um so we've gone back now to start legislation again uh, about 3 years ago a new pigeon shoot cropped up in Lackawanna County which we successfully fought back with the township um supervisor and their uh you know their legal counsel and our legal counsel and we we got that one stopped it it took like 2 days and but it it shed attention again on pigeon shoots in a way that this township didn't want the pigeon shoot and they you know they didn't really have the resources to fight it back and it highlighted again the need for legislation statewide in pennsylvania and a legislator stepped up to the plate to to introduce the legislation and just recently we also had a um a legislator who was a former reporter and covered the higgins pigeon shoot was horrified by what he saw and he introduced the legislation now unfortunately it did not get a vote in um, the last legislative session, so it will be reintroduced again, and is our top priority um, for
0: two thousand and nine well let me ask i want to uh, I do want to talk about some of your priorities for two thousand and nine but uh, just going back to heggins um, in terms of the legislation, you were saying it was statewide it was a hot potato what was it, and yet you also say it 's a national campaign, and then there was also in the other case, it was a it was a question of a, a township uh, trying to fight things off. Where exactly does the legislation happen in terms of uh, you know local governments, statewide governments, federal governments? That that is most successful in these cases.
2: Well, with with pigeon shoots, the uh, 15 states already have statutes on the book that specifically prohibit pigeon shoots, and then another eight states have them where. The courts have either interpreted the law or Attorney General has interpreted the cruelty statute to say that the pigeon shoots are covered by anti-cruelty laws. And then there are another 22 states that if they were ever challenged or um, an opinion was offered, uh, it would cover live pigeon shoots in those states. So um, Pennsylvania is really the only state that hosts these above board. Now we believe you can't have a pigeon shoot without multiple violations of the law anyway, and there are two court cases pending against Pigeon Shoots in Pennsylvania. Um, but to answer your question, this will be state legislation, and it, it's it's state by state. Mm-hmm. Um, we could, in Pennsylvania, go township by township, but what would happen is the Pigeon Shoots would probably just move, Town, you know, if it were banned, say, in Berks County, it would be a headache for the shoot organizers, but they would probably just move to another county. You know, there's no other cruelty laws that have um, a patchwork of legislation, county by county. We need a statewide law to address this problem.
0: Okay. So, how did the the process work in terms of uh, getting people involved? Was it just uh, you know, was was there letter writing? Was it just mostly in person lobbying, or what was uh, what was the actual mechanisms that uh, that made this successful in Hagen's case?
2: Well, in in the Higgins case it was uh that was um settled in the courts there was a court case uh all the way that went all the way up to the supreme court and the supreme court ruled that the humane officer um, had standing to bring the case, which was the the part of the um, case that we were arguing at that point, and he remanded it back down to the lower court and said, "Get this back up to me before the pigeon shoot." And he used words like cruel and moronic in in his opinion. So the handwriting was on the wall, and basically mm-hmm. the township at that point um, and the uh, the shoot organizers uh, entered into an agreement not to host the pigeon shoot again.
0: Okay. Well, so that one was in the courts. But is there can you extrapolate from that in, in terms of how what the best way to proceed is or is it always kind of a you know case by case looking at uh what the factors are in different uh areas and different shoots?
2: Well, I you know in my opinion you you have to look at every campaign on a situation by situation basis. Sometimes you're going to have a campaign that's all about legislation. Sometimes it's a public education campaign. Sometimes it's a campaign that ends up in the court. And sometimes you need to use every single tool in your toolbox, such as in cases like this where you've got stiff opposition like the National Rifle Association um, fighting you. So it's uh, you know it, in this case, I think that we need to be utilizing everything that we have in our toolbox from bringing public attention to this because this isn't something that the public supports to working the political process and looking at litigation. And um you had asked me to talk a little bit about what I, I spoke about um at the uh the banquet right. and what, what I spoke about mostly that night was engaging our movement in the public process, in the political process.
0: And what I mean if somebody is listening and they say, you know I want to get involved, I mean short of saying, well Send money to the Humane Society. What what, what steps would you uh, would you advise for them?
2: Well, this is this is an area I believe so strongly that every single person in our movement really needs to be involved in the political process. Um, it, it doesn't matter whether you're involved with a grassroots group, a national group, a shelter, um, or even not involved with a group at all, but you're somebody who sends your money and you're a member. Uh, this is something that every single person can do that makes a difference. And you can invest whatever level of time you have available. I mean, some people say, you know, I don't have time to get involved, but it's as simple as sending an email to your state legislator and your you know, your federal, uh, your congressman. And it, you can invest that much time that you, you write an email that says, you know, dear representative so-and-so, I would like you to support Bill X. Um, and in the old days they said emails really didn't make a difference, but I, I lobby in Harrisburg, and I can tell you that the legislators are often bored sitting on the floor, you know, listening to people debate bills, and they'll, they'll read their email on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll read their email on the weekend, and they'll answer you. Calls are probably a little bit more effective, and if you actually can talk to the legislator, they're going to remember the issue. You can educate them on the issue. Letters to the editor are a fantastic way for people to involve their legislator in a uh, in a campaign, too, because if you put, send a letter to the editor saying, I hope my representative has the good sense to recognize animal cruelty when he sees it and he votes with us to, you know, ban live pigeon shoots where pigeons are launched from boxes, this is not, you know, anything anybody should be supporting in 2009. Sends a letter to the editor and that letter gets clipped and sent to every single legislator. Um they they follow like public opinion on on uh bills. Mm-hmm. Okay. Visits are another really important thing where you actually make an appointment and go in and meet with your legislator. They'll always remember you.
0: All right. Is there let me just ask, I mean you have people who are passionate about an issue but and they want to educate, but you know, they may need some educating themselves. And I'm wondering if you, as, as somebody who's coordinating campaigns, have to kind of walk a, a tightrope between uh, letting people just go off half cocked and hope that they they don't embarrass <laughs> the rest of us, and you know telling being too literal with them and saying here just say this and having it be you know some something that winds up being astroturf where everybody's just copying and pasting the same text and and you know somebody sees that, and they say, oh they're just uh, you know i 'm just getting this regurgitated so wh- how do, where do you how do you navigate that line
2: yeah this is, that's a great question and a good one for for our uh, our constituency and Thank you for reminding me to just say you have to be polite because the the person who you 're angry at, the legislator who you 're angry at for one bill may May vote with you on another bill, they may not like pigeons, but they may like puppies, they may mm-hmm. not like kittens, but they you know they may like another animal and and other votes are going to be in front of them, and we don't have the the same political clout yet we're getting there, but we don't have it yet that we can afford to be nasty, and they will remember, and they'll you know we've had legislators vote against us consistently for years and years and years because we made the mistake early on of of lobbying them wrong lobbying them like an activist versus a professional Mm. so so i i do um i want to just emphasize be polite uh and then your your question about um repeating the same message if you send in a form letter uh it's going to make much less of an impact and and i know we do our uh, our alerts so that you can go in and change it Mm -hmm. but if they know that it's coming from one source They'll count it, and they'll look at how many calls are coming in, and it may get like, uh, you know, a .5 on their, um, their scale, like they'll say, okay, these people cared enough to at least fill out this form, but it makes, uh, there's a lot less impact if you actually take the time to write your own letter or your own email and send it to their address, a lot more impact. A letter makes more impact, than a call or a visit, you know, certainly uh, weighs um,
1: much stronger.
0: Okay. Well, uh, we're almost out of time, but just uh, looking ahead in 2009, you mentioned uh, that this is one of your priorities, but you're not just about pigeon shoots. Do you, can you uh, let us know anything else that you have on the horizon or any challenges you have coming up?
2: Well, I mean, certainly um, we've got a full plate for 2009, and, and uh, you know, just speaking to Pennsylvania, the, there was a bill um, passed that addressed puppy mills last um, session there will be a companion bill that will be a priority and we're going back to the legislature to finally get pigeon shoots up and out um, we weren't able to get a vote at the end of last session and we've been promised a vote this session so we'll be really a- appealing to all of our members no matter what animal you care about to to um, make your calls and contact your legislators on that issue and and I will add too that um, one of the things that uh, gun lobbies do that's so successful is they will write about every single gun bill whether it's one that matters to them or not and our movement doesn't typically do that if you care about farm animals you write about farm animals if you care about puppy mills you you write about puppy mills mm-hmm. if you care about pigeons you write about pigeons we all need to be a very strong constituency that calls about every single bill so whatever group sends you an alert make your calls please
0: All right, great. Well, thank you very much, Heidi Prescott uh, from the Humane Society of the United States. Thanks for joining us on VegCast.
2: Thank you very much for having me on.
0: Okay, and have a great 2009.
2: You too, you too.
1: (laughs) You and I are the green generation, born of beautiful dreams and frustration. The time has come to change the equation, time to plug in the green generation.
0: Yes, like a big broom that's sweeping the nation. That's Green Beings, a band I founded 10 years ago in 1999, back when uh the word green was not used by everybody and everything to signify coolness and trendiness, but uh, we'll stick with that name and even push it forward with the green generation. So I wanted to get that song out there to kick off 2009, And, of course, that is from the album entitled Electric Green, just uh, to keep that green meme going. And, of course, if you follow the snarky press, you will know that going green, everything green, getting green, uh, has been denounced by the uh, word watchers who list the banished words for 2009. Green is at the top of the list. And as I said in a blog post on Earth to Philly, which you can find at earthtophilly.com, it's all fine and good to complain about how people are overusing the word. But what are we going to use instead if we get rid of green? That'll be interesting to see. But in other green news, it seems that the green of the savannah in protected elephant areas is something not so easy to replace as we find out on this science Our first science fact for 2009 is Study Elephants in Zoos Live Much Shorter Lives This is a version of this story from the Christian Science Monitor and our lead is Elephants in captivity in Europe have a far shorter median lifespan than those living in protected areas in Africa and Asia, a new study has found. In a study published this week in the journal Science, zoologist Georgia Mason of the University of Guelph in Canada and colleagues drew on 45 years of data on more than 4,500 African and Asian elephants worldwide. And the story continues, the results were shocking. Ms. Mason and her colleagues found that excluding premature and stillbirths, zoo-born African elephants had a median lifespan of 16.9 years compared with years for animals in the park, that is, uh, elephants living in protected areas. Uh, The study further noted that Asian elephants had far higher infant mortality rates in zoos, a problem that the authors say had, quote, not significantly improved over time. And uh, the story goes on then, of course, uh, to uh, have some pro-zoo perspective from zoo representatives one of the cases being made that uh, this is about zoos this is about elephants in Europe. there are wonderful zoos in Europe, and there are zoos that are not so wonderful uh, gosh apparently that 's not the case in America where this would have you believe that there are uh, all, only wonderful zoos in America but uh, as we've pointed out before, the national zoo in America is uh it would be a laughing stock if the uh, the question were not. So fraught with uh, tragedy, uh, how completely mismanaged that zoo has been in terms of animal health and welfare. And here in Philadelphia as well, we've had issues with elephants' welfare and health, and issues uh, with the zoo not seeming to uh, respect the uh, the fact that the elephants would be, in fact, better off in the wild, uh, telling our local media that uh, animals had outlived their lifespan in the wild uh, when such was actually not the case. Um, So basically, the... You know, this is kind of a shocking result that the lifespan is so different that it's uh, it's more than three times as long in the wild. And, of course, that's that lifespan in the wild is dragged down in areas where elephants are not protected and they're killed by humans. Uh, and, of course, the zoos like to present this as uh, kind of a, uh, a devil in the deep blue sea problem that, you know, if the elephants are out there getting killed, well, it's better for them if they're enslaved instead Uh, But we don't really have to, you know, make that particular choice. Elephants can be in uh, special preserves and so forth uh, without being on display in cages for people's entertainment. And I'll just add that um, this is showing up on VegCast. Uh, as something that i think is of interest to uh vegetarians and vegans and uh a while back i won't mention his name but a pretty prominent uh vegetarian advocate uh and i ran a panel where i put forward that zoos were not a something that is uh, really vegetarian friendly given that they're all about uh, just putting on animals on display for our entertainment uh, and uh, he was really pretty shocked by that. And uh, over the years, I think he's come around, but uh, I guess this is my way of <laughs> hammering that point home. Uh, but hopefully some of our local representatives at the Philadelphia Zoo and at zoos nationwide will uh, look at this with not just the eye of the PR representative in the story, but uh, seeing what they can do with the elephants that they have already And also get real about the fact that there's just no way that a zoo uh, in especially a metropolitan area where zoos tend to be is going to have enough land to really adequately care for and give an elephant a a life that is going to benefit that elephant. Uh, So, you know, if you're doing it for your own profit and for people's entertainment, that's fine. Come out and say that. But don't claim that we're protecting elephants and helping them out by putting them in zoos. Such does not seem to be the case, according to the studies that we happen across here on the Science Fact. All right, 2009 is going to be a big year, I think, for animal and vegetarian issues. You just watch this space and see if that's not true, because VegCast will be here to bring you all The latest, and as I was uh, telling Heidi about the scope of VegCast, obviously being on the World Wide Web, we go out worldwide, and uh, many of our regular listeners may be familiar with our uh, reaching out to Australia, to people in other lands uh, for music, for opinion and everything, but we do also concentrate a lot on uh, things that have to do with Pennsylvania or Philadelphia, Uh, because that's what I have the most access to, and uh, I know we have a good, solid Philadelphia listenership. So for those people, here's a little announcement from Public Eye Philly about National Bird Day. Now, if you were appalled by hearing about the pigeon shoots that are still going on in Pennsylvania, and if you happen to be in the area of Philadelphia, especially the Parkway area, you can drop by the Free Library, the Central Lending Library at 20th and Vine, For a National Bird Day celebration, Saturday, January 10th, from 2 to 3.30 p.m., there will be book reading, there will be mask making, and creative movement, and hopefully a renewed appreciation for all things bird among the kids. So that's from Public Eye Philly National Bird Day celebration, January 10th. Hey, thanks to Heidi Prescott of the Humane Society of the United States for joining us on this VegCast. And thanks to Green Beings for Green Generation, which was a product entirely of Paul and Amy. Uh, I didn't have anything to do with the song, actually, so hope I didn't sound too full myself saying that I had founded the group. Obviously, I founded it along with Paul and Amy. That's Green Beings. You can find their music, our music, at greenbeingsmusic.com. And that's going to do it for this VegCast. We'll be back at you later in the month. Happy 2009, and remember this year to get out there and live like you mean it.
1: VegCast!